Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. I know I speak for all of us tennis fans when I say it has been such a pleasure to have a Grand Slam event back in our lives. And we are officially at the halfway point of this U.S. Open third round match is scheduled to begin today. Again, I know I speak for all of us when I say we have been privileged to see so much exceptional tennis, so many different breakthrough stories, whether it be on the men's side, the fact that it really does feel like this next generation, these next-gen ATP players, they've arrived. We see 16 of them making the third round, and of course, if you want to hear more about how those 16 got there, go check out our daily recaps of each day's play on the Mini Break podcast, but you know, the play has lived up to what we hoped for, and certainly on the women's side, 10 seeds going down in the past two days. We've gotten the parity we expected there, Uh, but of course, there have been so many other things going on uh, alongside of just the play after this U.S. Open, all of us were, you know, shocked when we learned late last, or, you know, or last weekend, I guess. I can't believe it was only last weekend. Feels like a lifetime ago. That's what each day of these early Grand Slams feels like. Nevertheless, we all uh, were caught off guard when we learned that Novak Djokovic, Vashik Pospisil officially resigning their seats on the ATP Player Council and forming their new Professional Tennis Players Association. Now, you know, unionization and, you know, the uh, what players fight for, whether it be a higher revenue share, whether it be a bigger say in scheduling a bigger percentage of the Grand Slam revenue, all of these different issues confronting the sport. These are not new issues. They're things we talked about at length, really, uh, over these past five and a half months. And if you are a fan of tennis, you know one of the podcasts in the tennis industry, one of the places you can turn to in tennis media who have been on top of unionization, on top of you know something we could affectionately refer to as players' rights, really, what players are fighting for uh, as professional tennis players is the Behind the Racket podcast hosted by our friends Mike Cation and Noah Rubin, also part of this Tennis Channel podcast network. And of course, Noah has been integral in advancing that conversation, in creating a larger dialogue across a broader group of fans and players, coaches throughout the tennis world. And so, you know, it's only fitting, right, that I bring on his podcast partner, my good friend, a man I consider truthfully, and I will tell him, I won't tell him this on the pod, but I'll say it here in the intro-outro, a mentor of mine, a person I know I can always turn to for advice. And, you know, to hear that advice from him means the world to me because you, of course, know him as the play-by-play broadcaster for the USTA Pro Circuit, a man whose voice you have heard covering this U.S. Open on U.S. Open Radio. Radio and, of course, the co-host of that Behind the Racket podcast, Mike Cation, joins the show once again to talk, again, about this U.S. Open, to talk about what it's like to be on the grounds with no fans, to live within the bubble. He's a Tier 2 bubbler, but, you know, he can speak to the protocols on site. Is it weird for the players when you're going from practice court to practice court, match to match, and no one else is there? And so how the, you know, how this environment has affected the play we've seen. We, of course, also talk about some of the Americans who he's seen so closely throughout his calls on the challenger circuit, people like Francis Tiafo, J.J. Wolf, Brandon Nakashima, who are all clearly making big jumps right now, you know, particularly for Wolf and Nakashima. We talk about that. And then I had to ask him his thoughts on the PTPA because, of course, he and, New, uh, he and Noah as tied into the subject as any two people in the tennis world. And so, you know, Mike, always a fascinating conversation. It doesn't matter what you're talking about, whether it be his online poker expeditions, whether he's talking about his lovely 
daughter. You just you want to listen to Mike, but I promise you folks you're going to like this podcast in particular because I think it really does a good job of hitting all of the prevalent topics right now throughout the tennis world. Of course, the reason we're able to have these sorts of great conversations, the reasons we're able to host podcasts in the midst of a Grand Slam, do the mini break day in, day out, do the GSP ace of the day, day in, day out, is because of the support we get from our sponsors. And I know you sponsors, uh, you guys all enjoy our friends at DraftKings because DraftKings is allowing you to get in on the action to help play along with all of these incredible matches at the U.S. Open. In case you're not already, in case you aren't following our GSP Ace of the Day segments, here's how it works. You're going to create your DraftKings Sportsbook account and make a deposit. From there, DraftKings will match your first deposit at 20% up to $500. After that, you're going to make your first bet, and DraftKings will also match that with a risk-free first bet up to $500. Just go to dkng.co slash cracked open to play. That's dkng.co slash cracked open. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, New Jersey, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, 1-800-9-WITH-IN-INDIANA, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, or 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. You must be 21 years or older and in a participating state to take advantage of this offer. Deposit bonuses in DK dollars, which have no cash value and must be used on DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for more details. And again, to get in on the action with us, just go to DKNG.co slash Cracked Open. Follow along every morning as we make our picks for each day's U.S. Open matches on our GSP Ace of the Day segment. But that is not what you came for today. You came to hear Mike Cation offer his thoughts on US on the U.S. Open, on the PTPA, on the American men at this U.S. Open. So without further ado... Let's get to my conversation with the one and only Mike Cation. Joining us on the podcast today, a returning champion here on our Cracked Racket shows. You, of course, know him as the voice behind the incredible play-by-play commentary on the USTA Pro Circuit. You may have heard his voice as he is covering this year's U.S. Open as well. A man I can always turn to when I know I need a kick in the to get things going. Mike Cation, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? I'm good. Uh, I'm disgusted by your beard, but other than that, I'm really good. No, well, I, I can't. I actually, I think it, I think it gives you some credibility. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it makes uh, me know? at least appear like I've been around the block a couple times. Yeah, because frankly, and I mean this as a compliment, Alex, you you have a face that looks like a twelve year old. <laughs> um, so uh, this this growth. Uh, this Riley Opelka like growth, I think, adds. You know, yeah, you, you've been there, you've done it. You're breaking stories at the U.S. Open, even though you're not here. Uh, so yeah, I think it. I think it gives you credibility. Yeah, well, fake it till you make it. If the beard yes, helps exactly. me do that, yeah, that I do what I can. And you know, obviously for me, I really can't tell you enough how much I appreciated your text and to all the people out there listening to this, all of the support we've gotten for that piece. Yeah, it was. Again, I'm. I figure if I throw enough stories out there, if I try enough different things, something might stick eventually. So yeah, sure. You know, 
Figured I'd dip my toe into writing as well, but appreciate you saying that. Now, obviously, you and Noah uh, hosted and recorded the podcast where the original Pair 11, I guess we're calling it, Pairs 11 was announced. These 11 players who had, uh, or including Pair the 11, who had uh, or influenced by Benoit Pair's uh, positive result for COVID-19. And, you know, as you mentioned, you are on site for this mm-hmm. U.S. Open. You get to be around these players. You get to be around this atmosphere. It's a different event than anything we've seen before so I have to start here what are the vibes like on the ground what has it been like to be at a major amidst a global pandemic yeah it's been fascinating to be a part of um they have um separated uh, essentially uh, and, and I know it's well documented the tier one and tier two um pl- people who are both players and interact heavily with players um, those are tier one people like myself who do not interact with the players, um, food service workers, most of the television crew, technical crew. Those are all tier two. So we're uh, I don't want to say segregated, but we're, uh, you know, essentially supposed to stay away from them because they're the ones who have so much on the line. Um, I think what has struck me, Noah and I are going to do a podcast later today. We're recording this uh, Thursday morning, but we're going to record a podcast later today um, talking about this. But um, the players are leaving right away. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing that's pretty unique. Most of the time, players will stick around for a day or two, take advantage of the fact that at a, at a Grand Slam, you know, the per diem is fantastic. <laughs> the amenities are nice. Right now, players lose and are getting out of here because of the – uh, idea of the quarantine in Europe. So that's one thing. Obviously, the crowd, it's been well documented during all of the broadcasts. Not having the crowd is, uh, uh, it's not good or bad necessarily. It is, right? It just <laughs> is. The dynamic is is twofold. Number one, it is universal. Everybody says they would much rather have, for the matches itself, the energy inside the stadium. To, to miss out on that, uh, the players have talked about it quite a bit. I can tell you from a broadcasting perspective, we as broadcasters try to do our best to match the crowd. Um, we have to raise our energy when the crowd is raising their energy. I mean, that's that helps us immensely. Um, that That is a challenge. As somebody who does a lot of challengers when there's not a crowd, I'm more used to it than I think most of the other <laughs> broadcasters um, are. Uh, but it, it is... It's fascinating on that aspect. That being said, on the I, I think the, I guess the if you will the positive side for uh, the players is they've never been at a slam with um, the the ability to just move with freedom, um, and by that I mean they can go to their matches without hundreds, if not thousands, of people staring at them or saying "Good luck, Billy. Good luck." Johnny, what you know, whatever, or they can go, you know, play all of these games that the USTA has set up uh, right outside. So the pressure in that regard is much, much less. And a lot of players are saying they really enjoy that aspect. The fact that they can come and go as they please. There, there's no restrictions in that regard to their movement. Um, and I can tell you, Alex, as somebody who I, I struggle with big crowds, it's an anxious thing, it's an anxiety thing for me. To be able to just walk around the grounds with and and go watch tennis with nobody around me, I, frankly, I love that. I like genuinely love that. Um, that being said, I, I think we're all hoping that next year uh, we're, we're able to have crowds, and I'm curious to see what the French uh, looks like when they do have crowds, because I imagine the anxiety will be much much higher there with that many people. 
Yeah, no, I can only imagine. And a couple of things I want to follow up on there because yeah. we've heard, and I'm going to dig into my Yiddish arsenal here. We've heard oh a lot boy. of you know fetching from all of these players, a lot of complaining that oh, it's you know it's this and that. And obviously, for the players who had the super quarantine protocol, as we reported, the yeah. players who were most directly exposed to Benoit Pair, that is a whole different level of you know guidelines and I suppose strictness that they are not used to when you're at a Grand Slam. And we can talk about that in a second but just in general the you know the amenities the u.s open vibe you still have the beautiful national you know campus in new york at the Billie Jean king tennis center i'm sure it's obviously delightful to be there but in terms of you know the little things like level of play and you know the the routine Mm. these players get in normally when they're at a slam have these enhanced safety health protocols disrupted the rhythm for these players is that the vibe or do they seem to have found you know a good comfort level here this week Uh, There is no impact um, that I can see on the ability to prepare for your match. None whatsoever. In fact, you have more practice courts available to you because of the fact that there are fewer players here. Um, You know, so it's easier to get a court time. Um, They're giving two cans of balls to all the players, (laughs) which is enhanced um, as opposed to just one. So I, I think in terms of the preparation for the match, it's, much easier for the players. So I don't think there is any uh, implications in terms of just the ability to go out and, and, and play. Um, it, is, it is strictly in, uh, just the fan aspect in terms of the, the noise, I think, is the only area where it impacts um, people. And I think, you know, to, to your question about the, the quality of play... I think it's I think it's twofold, Alex. I think one, uh, some players are able to summon energy internally, and some players are not. Uh, you know, I, I know it was documented, but the the idea Coco Golf, you know that that particular match, I I found myself thinking time and time again as I was watching it and calling a little bit of it the other day. I you know if if there's a crowd in that third set, it's a different set, you know, and and maybe a different outcome. Um, but then there are some players who you just know are going to be able to summon that energy. I was really impressed with Francis Tiafo the last few days. He's doing it. And I he was, I thought he was a player who was going to really struggle with that, somebody who does feed off the crowd. But maybe it's allowed him to focus more. Uh, Jordan Thompson is a guy who's come through the challengers over the last several years. You know he's going to be locked in every single moment. And so he's been he's been fine. Um so I, I think in terms of the quality play, that that one um, I, I think has been all about whether you can do it yourself. I think the the quality of play, though, has been affected by the fact that players haven't gotten a lot of matches in. Um, you can tell, Alex, and I'm sure you can speak to it from watching uh, as well, You know, the players who have been match tough, whether it be through the UTS or the Battle of the Brits or World Team Tennis, um, those players tend to be handling the bigger moments, I think, a little bit better than some who have not um, and who are playing their first tournament back or maybe their second tournament back. It takes some players time to get into proper form. Um, and I think I think there have been times when play has been a little bit sluggish, um, but I think that will improve as we move deeper into the tournament, I think. Um you know, and Andy Murray last night. I know we're, we were going to talk about this, anyways. But Andy's not at a point yet because he doesn't have the matches under his belt with his hip and with as much time off as he's had. Uh, you know, to be able to do it again, a second match. He doesn't have that match fitness yet after a five set or two days before. So 
Um, I think that's the the one quality where the play has been lacking is that I, I just don't think all of the players have the match fitness, and I think that's understandable with the six month layoff. Yeah, no, and I let's just get into this now. Let's talk about some of yeah. the players we've seen, the level of play, and you know we can start with Andy Murray. I know you were on the match last night for Murray. Yep. He fell to FAA, and you know FAA just you, you, we can talk about Murray's body being drained. Let's be clear, FAA played the exact sort of match you want to play yep. when you have an opponent who's got no legs left in them. And you know you talk about the crowd in, in the big stadiums. Certainly had that Andy Murray, Yoshihito Nishioka match been played <laughs> under normal circumstances. Yeah. You know, the crowd is giving Murray the adrenaline boost as well to get to that fifth set to push right. him over the finish line. But, you know, that was a match that didn't suffer because nope. uh, the energy, you know, Andy Murray was right there the entire time. But let's just start with Andy Murray in general. Yes, he was drained last night, but I'm sure you got to see a lot of that Murray Nishioka match as well. What was it like to have him back on the grounds, him back competing at this level? It's amazing. Um, There is not a single player who will say a negative word about Andy Murray. Only unanimous approval rating on the tour. (laughs) No, I I think that's, you know, he's one of them. We were, uh, my my partner, uh, Zena Garrison, we were doing a a match with Kim Kleisters the other day, and I think that's another Mm -hmm. one of those players who nobody Mm -hmm. will say a negative word about just in terms of uh, them them as a, a human being. Um, re- regarding Andy, uh, I-, I think everybody gives him the benefit of the doubt here, willing to say, take as much time as you need to get into match fitness. He said this morning that, you know, actually the, the hip held up fine. He just maybe necessarily didn't have the, the full legs to get there. And so that was that's the question for me. I said on the broadcast last night, I, I think there this question about whether he can do it at the highest level at the slams is going to haunt him until he's able to come back and win another match after a five-setter. Um, I, I think that's a, a fair question, right? Um, I, that being said, I think we're all going to give him the benefit of the doubt to build up the matches necessary to do it. Um, and, and of course, what, what he's doing is unprecedented. So everybody's willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. But I, I think you, at the same time, also have to say, yeah, until he does it, we just don't know. Um, but it, it's fantastic to see him at this level again. Beating Nishioka in five shows what we've always known, right? The, the, the heart of an incredible champion, one of the all-time greats of our sport. Ten comebacks now from two sets down um, in the majors. He is, he's just one of those people that everybody roots for. And, you know, the, the entire... Everybody was watching it. I was with Noah Rubin at the time, and, and we were trying to uh, help and support Dennis Kudla, who unfortunately lost to Marin Cilic, but we were also at the same time on our phones watching Andy Murray and Yoshi Nishioka because everybody's there rooting for Andy in their own way. So he's he's just an incredible champion. Also on top of it, just an incredible supporter uh, of players at the lower levels. Um, I had the opportunity last year at Cincinnati to... to have three or four minutes and that was it with Andy and I explained who I was he knew who I was because he watches challenger matches he (laughs) watches his fellow Brits at the challenger matches no matter where they are that's just the kind of guy he is he supports these people who are at the lower levels because he wants to see them succeed and be the best versions of themselves Um, so we were able to kind of just chat about that and he knew who I was because he's watched enough challenger matches so (laughs) he's such a he's such a cheerleader for our sport 
He's such a cheerleader for women's tennis. He's such a cheerleader for tennis at the lower levels. Um, I know we're also going to talk about PTPA. You know, his take on that about making sure women are included there is is crucial. Um, so yeah, he, what he brings to the sport is is truly unmatched. Yeah, no, and I mean, I, I, I do want to talk again about him. Uh, well, I guess let's start with that point before I ask you a nerdy question about his tennis. You yeah. talked about all of these players coming out to watch his match, and that has been, if you're looking for a silver lining of the no-fan experience, the fact that you see so many players, I know a lot of them have their suites in Arthur yeah. Ashe, but so many players out on you know on stadium watching these you know their fellow uh, competitors on court, right. whether it's Tsitsipas at every Osaka match, Match, whether at Kim Kleister seems to you know do two minutes at every match on the grounds throughout the you right. know every day of play, we have seen so many of these players out on court and you know at challenger level uh, at challenger level events you do see that from time to time right. because everyone's sticking around it's not as grandiose of a scene but. I feel like that's been a pretty cool aspect of this. It I has think been. that's something again. It's fair to say that's a silver lining, for sure. Uh, again, when I when I was talking about it, when, when we were talking about just the experience here on site, the fact that players feel that freedom to go and do whatever they want and and actually watch from the stands, whether it be the suite or in in the seats, it it is something that they never get to do at this level ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the players will say they really enjoy that to be able to sit and cheer on their their friends, um, you, you know, or just watch. Uh, I've I, I've been taking advantage of that myself. I've been trying to watch the players who I quote unquote have come up with, you know, who have come mm-hmm. through the challengers and and now are playing at this level. So I'll go out and support those guys as much as I can, um, and and to be able to do that without you know people coming up and like don't get me wrong, fan interaction is crucial, right? Don't get me yeah. wrong, but to be able able to just do that if you're you know, Diego Schwartzman and just sit there and not have people coming up and asking for autographs when you just want to support your friend. That's pretty cool. Uh, and that doesn't ever happen. So I, I think that that freedom has certainly been one that the players really have enjoyed. Yeah, there's also a candidness, it feels like, yep. on court in the post-match interviews. And, you know, Francis Tiafa last night, uh, he closes out his match against uh, John Millman and at, immediately after because there's no noise in the crowd. And again, fan interaction is crucial. I'm not saying we want them to go away forever. I'm saying you get to hear him say, hey, Wayne Ferreira, hey, Wayne, you wish you had those volleys, right? Yes, or just right. the little candid things, the F-bombs dropped here and there, Amanda Nisimova. It's just— Yes, it, right. There is a silver lining to this in that these players do feel to be more candid, more relaxed, and I think uh, down the line that's going to lead to better tennis. If you want me to be honest here, that's why if you had, if I had to pick between doing Grand Slams or a Challenger, it's why I would probably pick a Challenger. Absolutely. It's, it's because of the fact that yeah, listen, it's not Novak Djokovic, you know, one maybe the greatest of all time playing. You know, it, it's not. But I get to see those interactions. Uh, I have players who are talking to me. I have players you can hear every single word they're saying to somebody in the stands. I, I love that, the purity of that. I love it. Um, and, and yes, you don't often get that when you have 80,000 people watching because you're cognizant of the fact you have 80,000 people watching. But, you know, even though we have cameras at that challenger level, Mm -hmm. you don't think about that all the time. You think about the fact that, yeah, you can see your coach right there or you can see your friend, 
you, you know, like Marcus Willis back in the day. He was talking to all the <laughs> Brits in the stands that entire match with the Snickers and the RC Cola. And I, you know, get to be a part of that. I love that. Um, so, yeah, that, that part has been so pure. And Murray last night, uh, we didn't. The microphone was not close enough, unfortunately, but you could hear him talking to to Jamie Delgado the entirety of the match. Um, and, and so, yeah, that is that's something that's so pure about the sport, and and I have absolutely loved being a part of that. You know, now that you mention that, you're absolutely right. Watching these matches, it feels very much like when I tune into one of your matches, uh, and yes. it's not one of the players' matches; it's your match, Mike. Uh, let's sure, be of clear. course, right? Uh, yeah, but yeah, and it's just there's an intimacy about it that you never mm-hmm. get at the Grand Slam, and it's it's refreshing. It's you know, again. We want fans to come back. We know that's better for the game. But there is a refreshingness to this, and yes. it's it's very, very enjoyable to watch. And, you know, now I, I kind of want to talk about the tennis, and we can end with the PTPA because sure. that's a name right there, Francis Tiafo, who, you know, four-plus years— we'll say it's really four years now on tour for him, you know, whether it be at the Challenger level or the ATP 250 and up. And so often he plays, played so many close matches over these past four years. Sometimes they break his way, sometimes they— they don't. It does feel like the jury is out. People know when it's crunch time, serve to that Tiafo forehand. And yet, just physically, the way he continues to battle out there, really impressive four sets against Seppi, really impressive five set yesterday against Millman. You got to keep in mind the fact that he also, you know, unfortunately was one of the players who tested positive for COVID. And so for him to right. physically come back this quickly, I've been so impressed. I know you've watched his game as closely as anyone. Mike, what have you thought? Yeah, um, I, I, I called the match against Seppi, um, the, the four-set win there. Um, I didn't get to watch as much yesterday against Millman, although I was, frankly, I was surprised that he won that. Um, and I think that's a testament to him and his team in terms of the mentality. I think the, the question marks, you know, as, as you mentioned, the, the return game, um, the, the shot tolerance for him, the shot selection for him has always been a question. Um, as well as just the toughness in the big moments. Um, I, I thought in terms of the, the big picture development stuff for, for Francis, I, I thought that when he started working with Robbie Ginepri specifically is when we started to see him uh, make that jump to becoming a professional, um, having more of an even keel in terms of just the emotional capability within a match, and that leads to better shot tolerance. It leads to better shot selection. I think, frankly, bringing on Wayne Ferreira uh, to the team right now has been also a, a much more settling presence. Um, you know, I, I how do I say this? Uh, I, I think Francis, you know, when when he had that run to the quarterfinals at the Australian Open, that success might have been actually in in terms of the 2019 campaign problematic. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it was something that you know then the the expectation of it happening over and over again, and maybe. When it didn't, I think it caused him to have that that spin that he's down into the 80s right now um, in the rankings. I think he needed to be pushed by somebody new, um, and I, I think that's helpful for him, him specifically. I think he benefits from having that tough voice um, and with no... Uh, I mean, this is no disrespect to Zach, who was the coach who was working through him, you know, in much of 2019. Sometimes it takes a, a new voice to kind of, kind of maybe give Francis something else to think about. Um, and as long as he trusts that voice, he's a, he's a good listener. He will work really hard. Um, I, I think more than anything, we could talk about the technical aspects of the game and that forehand specifically. 
I think more than anything, it's been more about the mentality for Francis over these entire years. And so, yeah, I, I think to summarize, I think it's really been important for him to have somebody who kind of pushes him in a different direction. He listens. Now it's a matter of how long he can go in that direction. Um, and, and I'm just happy for him to have these wins at the Open. It's been such a difficult tournament for him over the years. Um, but the win over Millman is one that was surprising to me, surprising to a lot of players. Just to beat one of the ultimate grinders in our sport like that is very impressive. No, I completely agree with you. And again, given the glaring weakness, you can always tell for a glaring weakness that's too strong because Francis Tiafoe still hits his forehand better than 99.9% of humans ever will. But, you know, that's the spot that people were always going to attack. And for him, it's just always been the way he's competed. The skill set is so diverse. He can do so many different things on the court. It's putting it all together into one coherent game plan. And he just gets closer and closer, and you know, to putting everything together. When he does, it's why he's such a captivating talent because Absolutely. we all can see what he's capable of. Another guy who, if you've watched a lot of challenger tennis or college tennis over the past three years, you know it's a matter of when, not if this player will t- crack the top 100. J.J. Wolf, who makes mm. his Grand Slam, you know, gets his first win in a Grand Slam, follows that up yesterday, straight set win over Carbeas Bania. He is now right on that that border of the top 100 Mike <laughs> yeah do you expect to see him I mean maybe just on principle he'll go play the challengers in Columbus but do you think it's you know he's ready to make that jump to uh 250s and, and beyond yeah this uh and JJ's talked about this himself and I I don't I'm I mean this is zero disrespect um mm-hmm. but he is he's not a, a guy who thinks very much <laughs> and, and 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 I and I do mean that as a compliment because mm-hmm. he is a guy who just he goes on the court and he's just like this is what I do this is who I am I'm going to go out and do it and frankly the simplicity of that Alex is I talk with Noah about this all the time and sometimes the the uh, uh, too much thought too much critical thinking is a bad bad thing on a tennis court right. Mm-hmm. JJ is there. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he does. He knows what makes him successful, and he goes out, implements it, and does it. Noah and I were watching the match last night. Um, he was uh, on court, was it six or four? One, either one of the two, mm-hmm. and, and Ernesto Escobedo was on the other one, and Noah's playing doubles with Ernesto Escobedo this week. And we just kept looking over at JJ and, and actually saying, Jesus, like every every couple of minutes because it, it's he's blowing this guy who's been on tour for quite some time. He's just blowing him off the court because that's what J.J. Wolf does. He's going to lose some matches, right? He's got Medvedev in the next round. And it, I, I'm curious. I'm fascinated to watch that because J.J. is going to come in with his game plan. He's just like, this is what I do. This is who I am. See what you can do about it, Danny. And Danny plays this style that's – 18 feet behind the baseline and he's going to be tracking everything down. I am my only question for JJ long-term he's, he's in the top 100 in my mind already. He's going to be a guy who's in the top 100 for a long period of time, health permitting. That's not a question for me at all. He should not be playing challengers anymore. Period. Point blank. Shouldn't be playing challengers anymore. My question will be for him can he be a bit more of a critical thinker? How does he problem solve when he's starting to play players who are at that next level? How does he problem solve in a match against Medvedev when Medvedev presents some different 
<laughs> a lot of different questions. <laughs> um, I, I, I am fascinated to see that development for JJ um, because I have no questions about his ability to impose himself within a match. It's just what's he going to do when it's not working against a player who is capable of three different skill sets, if you will. Um, and I and I don't know how JJ solves that dilemma yet. I'm fascinated to watch it. I know that match will be... I, I apologize, Alex. I don't know when this is going to air. I think it's airing tomorrow morning. Um, but I'm fascinated to watch the match against Medvedev because I, I want to see how he solves that particular dilemma and if he has the, the mental wherewithal to do so. Yeah, well, just so our listeners know, we're recording. It's 12.03 p.m. East Coast on a Friday. Uh, yes. When we have Mike Cation on the pod, we get that pod out by 1.15 p.m. Uh, Fair same enough. Friday. Yeah, because, you know, okay. we, we, for the high rollers, we, we bring out the best. So, you know, we're going to get that <laughs> flip around very quick. The high rollers, I say, by the way, because I know you are a rising poker player as well. Oh, um, boy. Yes. No, but so to your point on J.J. Wolf, right? J.J. Wolf comes into a match with three things on his mind, four hands, four hands, and four hands. And yes. it's like, like, yes, yeah, sometimes it's okay to keep things that simple. Sometimes it's okay to maximize your strengths. Case in point, uh, Milos Raonic, right? Serve, right. forehand, moving forward. It works for him. He knows what he wants to do. I completely agree with you. I also just think, you know, we both know JJ a little bit. There's a guy who just wants to go play tennis. He's just yep. a guy who that's all that's on his mind. I'm going to train. I'm going to go lift my weights, and then I'm going to go play my left next match, and I'm going to win because I – I do my thing that, you know, he's got that hubris about him as well. Um, yeah, I just, I, it's, it's so clear. He's got just elite skills. The forehand, the serve combo are going to win him matches. It's funny because, you know, he's probably thick with two C's and then he takes off his shirt and you just see muscles on muscles. And it's like the training to him clearly. So, so important to him already in his career. He's just a guy who, you know, is going to get the most out of his talents. Correct. 100%. Um, I'm not. I, 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 this is a personal thing. I hate the hair. I personally <laughs> hate the hair. Um, but I. But I also understand that you you create a persona for yourself, and that's marketable. Um, and and I guess that's that's something that's important. And I probably should work on that. I had a mohawk for a little bit of time, Alex, and uh, maybe I should have just kept that through the open. But I I decided to try to be professional for a while. No, we've gone full circle now. Why do you think I have the beard? I'm just right. begging Gillette. Like, come on, Gillette. Where are you when I need you? So then one fun question for you, and then again, I, I want to kind of move on, move along here. But J.J. Wolf, over under, he's in Nike clothing by t- end of 2021. Hmm. That's a great question. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that, what's, uh, what's Ohio State? Yeah, they're, 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 they're Nike. They are Nike? Okay. Yeah, they're full-fledged. Yeah, I, I, I'd be surprised. I mean, I, I know his agent, Sam Duvall, pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I know they really thought pretty hard about what they were going to do here um, because I think JJ and Sam and the rest of the team believe he has a very high ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they waited a while on their clothing sponsorships. Um, I, I know that. And so I, I think, frankly – Alex, I think this this matchup with Medvedev is going to tell us a lot in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he needs to I, – I don't see him yet getting a Nike sponsorship. I see it if he has a breakout against Medvedev. I could see it if he has a good run at the French. Um, I, I think before Nike is going to throw in the big bucks, they need to see a deep run at an ATP event, a 250 at least. Um, 
boy. So if I'm putting odds on it, uh, I'll I'll give you. Let's see. I'll put a percentage on it. I'll say right now I'd give it twenty percent. I like it. If, yeah, if, I feel like plus four hundred feels about right. Okay. Okay. See, you're 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 much more of a gambler. I I do not <laughs> listen. I play poker. Don't get me wrong. I play a lot of poker. So I think about percentages. I don't do the the sports betting like like I know you do and and. Uh, I mean, you yeah. guys have this whole thing with DraftKings. I'm impressed. I mean, you're branching out in different ways. But, uh, yeah, that's that's one where I'm not as uh, uh, familiar. Fair, fair. Well, then I'll ask you one more. And, again, the worst thing you can ask a tennis commentator to do is make a prediction. But hmm. since I know we both think it's a matter, again, of when, not if, who do you think makes their way into the ATP Top 50 first, JJ or Brandon Nakashima? Yeah, that's a great question. Um Kale Hammond, from who I know you have interacted with uh, as well with Tennis Channel and Tennis.com, I, I, he was asking me those that question as well. I mean, both of them are going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think it's tough, right? Because yeah. the thing JJ does well, he does so well right now. But Brandon's got the full skill set working for him, right? And if if I if I have to make a prediction, I have to pick one of the two of them. I'm gonna. I think I'm going to pick JJ right now just because I think he has a he's quicker probably quicker because of this run into the top 100 which then gives you have you know the opportunities to pick up more more points uh, especially when you think about the fact uh, Alex you know and this is a different podcast altogether but there are just going to be more opportunities if you're able to get into the ATP events right now challenger events are going to be struggling quite a bit over the next six months here until we get quote-unquote back to normal so if I had to pick somebody I'd pick JJ just because these points that he's picked up this week are going to give him a higher probability of being in the ATP events which then give him a higher probability of earning more points so I'll say JJ I think both of them are inside the top 50 though uh, you know, by middle of next year. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. I agree with you. It's when, not if. Um, but yes. again, I know I want to be conscious of your time. So I want to move to this last topic. And you're absolutely right. I'm reserving the right to drag you back on here to talk about what the hell is Challenger Tennis going to look like? Not only yeah, in sure. 2020 tennis, but yeah, I'm sure that's something you definitely want to talk about. That was different. <laughs> I was there too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, uh, that is something to discuss on a later date. But I know you are right. You know, you are on site and obviously you and Noah on the Behind the Racket podcast, which all of you listeners should go check out. Part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, of course, our brethren over there. Uh, but you guys have been on top of, you know, uh, the unionization movement in, in in tennis and the player empowerment movement and these players banding together and obviously they're upset with the status quo how do they change the status quo how do they make tennis a more equitable place for all players regardless of your level that's a conversation again you and Noah have been on the forefront of and you deserve so much credit for continuing the dialogue for expanding the discourse uh with that in mind obviously Big storyline coming out of New York, the formation of the PTPA by Djokovic, Pospisil, a couple of others as well, integral in that formation, the Professional Tennis Players Association, going to try and serve as a union for these players, and you already alluded to it. There have been some early criticisms, right? There yep. is there really a platform for the PTPA yet? No, not really. Did they include women from the get-go? No, but I think it's important to note, and again, you can expand on this more, it, the PTPA 
very much in its earliest stages. What are you hearing on the grounds? Obviously, you and Noah, uh, Noah part of the PTPA, so I'm sure you guys have talked about are planning to talk about it more on today's podcast as well. But just the formation of the PTPA, the initial momentum. What are you hearing surrounding it? Yeah, I, I think you you touched on it there, Alex. Um, I, I think amongst players there is a general consensus really universally that they need to come together in some way, shape, or form. I I haven't heard anybody flat out say, I don't want to be part of a union. I'm fine. I don't think that's the case at all. I think, I think you touched on some of the problems, the, 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 the fact that right now women are not a part of it. I think that is one issue. If we're being blunt, I think the fact that Novak is at the head is problematic for some. Um, I, you know, Novak is a polarizing figure. He's a, a very much love him or hate him. Um, there's not a lot of, you know, I, I think there's nuance to him, but there's he's a polarizing guy. Um, if I think the bigger question for a lot of players, though, and the reason that I've heard most people don't ha- did not sign on, it, it's not formal yet, right? It's not a formal list. It's not a formal group. And it's why I criticize Noah for actually being a part of the initial the initial signup. There are no details. Yeah. There are no details about what this means. I am I am a, a very much a proponent of the the players coming together in this association. Um, the legality of unions is a different story altogether. But I'm I'm a big proponent of this. But what is it? There there's not a a list of details. Um, I, I, you know, what, what does this mean? Are you actually going to boycott? How do you boycott if it's only 80 players out of the top 150? How, uh, how does that work? How do you actually have any bargaining power? What are your actual goals? What are, how do you work together with the women? So you're fighting, if fighting, if you will, the ATP and the WTA at the same time. Do do you have a percentage that you want out of the Grand Slams? What are you going to do for challenger-level players? What is your cutoff for players who should receive money? Are you going to work towards a a basic salary? I have no clue whatsoever what the details are for the PTPA. And Noah's been keeping me updated, so I have a good understanding of it. And there's no detail. Mm -hmm. It's great. This is an openings, <laughs> it's an opening salvo, if you will, and that's why Noah wanted to be a part of it because he said, "Listen, this is what I've been talking about in terms of, you know, working towards making it a better uh, conditions for all players, uh, you know, even challenger and futures level players." He said, I, "I would be not true to myself if I didn't, you know, try to be a part of something like this." But until I look at, you know, here is our platform, here are our list of ten demands or something along those lines. I, I'm just sitting here like, okay, great. You have a, a group that you want to start. Give me some details. Let me know what you're for. Um, and yeah, I, 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 the other concern, and, and Vashik touched on it, you know, I, I think Justin Gimmelstab's involvement is a question mark for a lot of people as well. Um, you talk about polarizing people within the sport of tennis. He is, he is one of them. Um, he's maybe, maybe right there in the top three or four. Persona non um, grata, exactly. Yeah, so so that's problematic. And, and Vashik said he's not involved. I've heard otherwise from several different people as well. Um, I need details. I'm a person who works on details. And if you say to me, this is what we want, I can make a choice whether or not I'm for it. Um, Mm-hmm. And I, obviously, I don't matter. The players do. Yeah. Um, but you you are going to need, 
you're going to need you're, you're going to need a platform, but you're also going to need a consensus that is overwhelming. Yeah. You can't go into it with 50 of the top 100 because I guarantee you, if you're going into the Australian Open and you have 50 people who boycott, there are gonna, damn well going to be another 50 people who say, "Okay, I'm going to go play the Australian Open and guarantee myself $50,000 for a first round exit." So you're going to have to really make sure that you have everybody on board, and that's tough to do without a platform, without involving the females. It, it, there are problems in that regard, and as soon as the details come out, then I think we can have a better discussion. I'm, I'm supporting the idea of this association, but we really need to work on details here pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And to your point, and again, I, this is my last point, and then I have a final question for you. But yeah, and and I sort of talked about this when we had Ben Rothenberg on after mm-hmm. he broke this story uh, on the podcast yeah. this weekend. But, you know, there's always two camps in a political party. And for, with all due respects, the ATP right now is a political party. They're an interest sure. group. That's a better way to say it. They're an interest group, not a political party. But there are the institutionalists, the people who want to operate within the system, the people who want to say, hey, we can improve this from within if we just become more active, if we take you know a larger role in what in the say of what is happening and there are those people who want to blow up the institution who say no this isn't working for us anymore we need to rethink redo just start from ground zero and re-examine reimagine what the relationship is going to be between players between you know the ATP as an organization between tournament organizers between national federations all of these different things it's very clear that's what's happening right now there's the and I'm going to call him the Federer Nadal camp the Gauden camp who wants to operate from within the current ATP structure and then there are those like Vashik Pospisil like Novak Djokovic like Noah Rubin who have for so long been saying you know hey this is this is not acceptable the status quo no longer works for us let's change you know we have to take some sort of drastic measure now otherwise we're going to get stuck in this repetitive cycle and you know my final question to you with that in mind Mike is again you know, these players are all in one location and there's not mm. much for them to do. And so that's obviously not something that happens very frequently in tennis. And so in terms of just a catalyst, in terms of the fact that they don't have a defined policy platform, the fact that we both agree it was very sloppy of them to announce this and not have a single woman on board, not have a single female player in the photo shoot when, you know, professional tennis players aren't just men. It's men and women. If for you to be the PTPA truly, it's got to cover everyone. What was the catalyst to doing this now? Why this moment? Why rushed is not fair because this this dialogue has been building, this momentum has been building. But why right now? Yeah, I have I have that exact same question, um, especially because it came out right after Naomi Osaka's decision um, to Mm -hmm. to step away from her. What was it? Semi semifinal? Yeah, semifinal. uh, Western and Southern. I, I have that exact same concern, and Vashik said that this has been a long time building. Novak said this is a long time building. I, I have that exact same question because of the fact you know Roger's against it. You know Rafa's against it. They're not here. I think that is a, a real problem, and it's maybe one of those moments where you were going to get that consensus um, that maybe you don't get if if those two players were there. And it would look much worse visually if, say, at the, you do it at the French and Rafa, you know he's at the French and he doesn't come along. I think that becomes a bigger, more divisive moment. Um, I, I, I have real questions about that and especially the fact that you rush it. It just doesn't look good. I, I don't have a good answer, Alex. I really don't. I haven't talked to Vashik personally. Um, 
but it's problematic. Yeah. I, I don't like the rollout, and I hope they come to a better understanding here of, of what this is supposed to look like. Um, but I think I think to answer your question, if I had to put my best guess, it's because of the fact that this is the first time there have been so many players. I know that Novak's been working on this for two or three years. This has been a, something he institute or tried to institute at the Australian Open, I believe, two years ago, maybe three years ago, and only had three people on board. Um, so I, I think it was just, hey, we're back together again. Let's get started on this is the best answer I can come up with because the other answers are really unseemly. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And for anyone out there who was wondering, is there, you know, sometimes there's this proposed make-believe friction between Djokovic and Nadal and Djokovic and Federer. Is there a chasm or a schism mm-hmm. or whatever ism you want to use? Uh, I think that answer has been proven out. I think the answer is clearly yes. And yeah, the fact that Djokovic is the only of one of the top guys here this uh, in New York and the fact that, you know, so much is uh, Novak-centric over these next two weeks, that absolutely played a factor and then to see Naomi Osaka and, and to see the USTA and the WTA and the ATP all stop uh, because of her actions and say yes we stand in solidarity with her and even if uh, every player on the ATP tour would have said and I don't think everyone would have but would have been like yep completely understand this let's stand in solidarity with her the fact that they felt they weren't consulted on top of Guido Pea and I think it was Delian and the, you know mm-hmm. what happened with the COVID testing it was just a bunch of things in a row that kind of led to you know what if we're going to do this let's do this now yeah I just think unfortunately that's a really problematic way to do things yep um, I, I think Frankly, it would have been a much better rollout if you also then have a 10-point, here are the things we want to you know, work towards. That would have been a much better way to do it than just saying, oh, God, this, this all has sucked. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Um, it, ultimately, if you're arguing that communication is, a, uh, is bad from the ATP, you also then can't you know, argue for your PTPA when you're not communicating what your goals are. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, so you can't have it both ways there. And so that's why I, I find this whole thing to be just really haphazard. And I'm waiting. I will wait to pass judgment until I get those details. No, I agree. And I abhor the cliche, but there's reactive and there's proactive. This yep. was reactive. It wasn't yes, proactive. Sure. I agree with you. Well, I know you have to run, Mike, for all of our listeners. who want You to had a you. nerdy question for me. What was the uh, nerdy question? <laughs> get get uh, to it, man. Okay. Well, again, I didn't want to be too angry with you. The nerdy question was about Andy Murray's game. And again, we kind oh, of God. threw through okay. it. Am I wrong in thinking Andy Murray, and I don't know if it's out of physical necessity or just out of the fact that he's not confident in his movement, he has sliced the backhand probably 125% more than he ever mm. did prior to being injured. Is that a, a real observation or am I making things up? Yeah, it's hard It's hard to tell right now, isn't it? I, I know last night he had to uh, just because defensively he was yeah, he was on the defensive as much as he was. I think that's a, it's a great observation. Um, I don't know that any of us can answer that uh, adequately. I, 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 I think it's exactly right. I think you're dead on. I don't think you're imagining things. Um, but yeah, I, I think losing out on that because of maybe you half step slow right now, quarter step slow, whatever it is, maybe that's the issue. Um, but yeah, I, I, I noticed that last night as well, uh, especially, and that is a long-term question for him. Uh, kind of like what we were talking about at the beginning, right? Until he's able to do it more, until he get those legs underneath him, the match toughness, we'll have to see if he's able to use that as big of a weapon as as he certainly has done in the past. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, it's great to see him back on court, but even yep. more enjoyable, Mike, hearing your voice again as I get to watch a oh, tennis thanks, match for all of our fans out there who, I mean, let's be honest, if you're listening to this podcast, you know all about Mike Cation. But in case they don't know, what are you going to be up to? Where can our fans follow you? Where can they hear your thoughts? Yeah, we're going to be on uh, ATP Tennis Radio. I'm mostly doing radio this these two weeks. Um <laughs> Uh, I say ATP Tennis Radio. Sorry, it's U.S. Open Radio. Uh, <laughs> I, I, but, yeah, so I'm on U.S. Open Radio until uh, final Sunday. Uh, tonight we'll be doing Pagula and Kvitova, uh, myself and Sophie Amiak. They're giving me uh, – Alex, you'll, you'll appreciate this. They're giving me the late show uh, every night because they like my energy. Um, <laughs> and, and considering so many people think I'm the whispering commentator <laughs> – uh, that's a that's a nice thing. I've been told actually this week they they told me to take down my energy uh, just a little bit, um, and because I was too energetic sure. and too loud, uh, very different than challenger level. But no, I I love the the U.S. Open radio folks. They they've treated me incredibly well. Sophie Amiak, Zena Garrison have been fantastic color commentators um, through the week. They're wonderful to work with. So it's it's a lot of fun. But yeah, tonight. Uh, late, late show with Pagula and Kavitova. That is going to be awesome. Yeah, that was you yesterday when during the Murray match, he was like, settle down, please quiet down in the stands. They were talking yeah, to you. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. yeah, I just, I decided to broadcast from up in the stands. Yeah. You know, because that's, that's what I'm used to, right? Exactly. You're like, this is weird. This is way too formal. Just I'm give me a microphone. Take- I'll go out there. It's yeah. Fine. Yes, of course, and you are too humble to say it, but of course, Behind the Racket podcast, a must-listen for all of you tennis fans out there, Mike Cation and Noah Thanks, Rubin, buddy. breaking down everything in the game. So, as always, Mike, thank you for taking the time to come on and chat with us. You know a spot is always open for you should you want to come well, back Well, I don't know show. if that's true because you're getting so big time now. Like, <laughs> I, keep getting, I keep getting passed over because, like— Look at me. I'm Alex Gruskin. I get all these big guests now because I'm like, you know, big deal. I'm putting on tournaments. Oh, my God. I'm such a huge guy. I was I felt a little bit, uh, you know, shunned over the last several months. But, you know, I'm I'm past it, Alex. Uh, You know, I I know Cracked Rackets is about to become the dominant force in tennis. Uh, I'm just happy to be in your periphery. I feel like I'm Pluto right now, um, and 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 you guys are the sun. And the fact that I'm here is, you know, it it just means that I'm still a planet. Yeah, I'm still well, a planet. my only counterpoints to that would be because I always have them. Oh, uh, what you think you're getting out of here that easily? Come on. Uh, one, uh, you popped up on No Challenges Remaining, and of course, I've had been on the show like seven yeah. times, and he keeps saying, "Oh, we'll get you on the show, Alex." Oh, like, yeah, we're gonna find this perfect next gen se- segment for you, and you're gonna come on. And I'm like, okay, Ben, that sounds great. And then I see you go on. I'm like, are you serious, Ben? You're gonna have Mike on again, and I'm not gonna get to come on yet. And so the, that's part one to that. Uh, listen, part- I paid him. I yeah. paid him a lot of money. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, so I still have major platform envy for you. <laughs> part two, the obvious thing, you know, I'm. It's like texting, you know, Sensei. I I never watched the the oldest Karate Kid. I know the Jackie Chan character in the new one with uh, Jaden Smith. Obviously, Mr. Miyagi. I know is his name. There it right. is. I was just waiting yes. for the brain to tune up. You're my Mr. Miyagi. So I'm afraid to text you. I don't want to text you. You know, know he's dead, right? <laughs> like he's actually dead. Well, but 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 he's in the dead, movie. Alex. Okay, he's but you dead. are. <laughs> I mean, I'm not dead. I'm alive. I'm breathing. I, as far as I know, I, I've got you know. Let me check. 
Yep, there's a yep. pulse. Uh, no. So how about how about you know like at least make me a character or a person who's alive? That's <laughs> deal. <laughs> deal works for me. And you know what? I'm just gonna call you while you're mid poker stream from now. Sounds on. Sounds good. Like, I, I think that's bit. fine. Yes, but, I, I but, think that's fine. Yes, Mike Cation, as always. Thank you so much. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Sounds good, Alex. Thanks. Hope you all enjoyed my conversation with the one and only Mike Cation. Obviously, always so grateful to him when he takes the time to chat. I've said this before on the podcast. I've said this to him. Uh, would there be a Great Shot podcast without Mike Cation? Absolutely not. Do you, if you guys knew how much time, dating back high school, college, I... Sorry, Mom. Sorry, Dad. I realize now you're probably really more sorry, Mom, since you're probably actually listening to this. How much time I spent watching Challenger Circuit feeds when I should have been doing other more productive things. Uh, how much time I spent, you know, listening to Mike's voice. It really was, again, it's such a pleasure for me to get the chance to chat with him now. It's, you know, the fact that he comes on the, the podcast that he... You know, it's facetiously isn't the wrong word. It's joking around, of course, and it's all loving. But, you know, and it's complimenting what we're doing at Cracked Rackets. It's just, it's the gift that keeps on giving to me. So those words mean so much. And obviously, I'm such a fan of his. So thank you to Mike for taking the time. And again, please go check out our brethren at the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, the Behind the Racket Podcast. I'm sure if you are listening to this, you are already listening to that. But Noah and Mike do such a great job of just providing inside a perspective in the, within the tennis industry industry again they've been on the forefront of this unionization issue in tennis for so long now really since the founding of the podcast so be sure to go check that out go give them some support as well oh, of course we here at Cracked Rackets rocking and rolling with our podcast too the mini break podcast each and every day recapping all of the day's biggest storylines results and controversies of course now in particular recapping each day's matches we see at the U.S. Open previewing the next day as I mentioned here on the GSP ace of the day. We're making our picks every morning for this U.S. Open along with our friends at DraftKings. You can join us by going to dkng.co slash cracked open. Play along with us. Take advantage of DraftKings limited time offer for you Cracked Rackets fans. And of course the Cracked Interviews podcast, Inside Out podcast rolling as well. So be sure like, rate, subscribe, review, share those with your friends. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can see that hideous beard Mike and I refer to at the beginning of the podcast. My smiling face and that beard's about to go by the way. Second week new me new week new me so that beard's gonna be bye-bye but you can see those videos every night of us making our picks you can hear the long form again on that great shot podcast feed and if you've missed any of our content be sure to go to our website crackedrackets.com you need the more immediate updates twitter instagram facebook youtube it's at cracked rackets you want to message me directly i'm at great shot pod shout out as always to our super producers max fligner and daniel westoff for the of an editing job they do day in day out they make all this content possible so seriously a huge shout out to them for their continued hard work but with that in mind again weekend ahead of us middle weekend at a grand slam we're gonna be recapping week one you can expect more great shot podcasts early on next week and throughout this weekend and of course we will be rocking and rolling on all of our podcasts through the end of this u.s open really uh, for, you know, through the end of this 2020 season, whenever it may end, however long it may be. So a huge shout out, of course, to all of you listeners for sticking around with us. A huge shout out to our Patreon subscribers who support us day in, day out as well. But with that being said, for my wonderful guest today, Mike Cation, our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, our friends at DraftKings and all of us here at both Crack Records and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say, folks. Hey, great shot. 
and we'll see you all next time. Thanks, everyone.